So, uh, his question is, what's the difference between Atma and Paramatma? And in our body, do we have two entities? If Paramatma is not on leave, then we have two entities, but today is Diwali, so he is going to celebrate it. There is no difference between Atma and Paramatma. But if by Atma you mean Jivatma, then there is a subtle difference. Jivatma is embodied soul. A soul that's in a body. <clears throat> Having said that, I think excuse me. <clears throat> Having said that, I think when we say the soul is in the body, somewhere we are misdefining if there is such a word, uh, the soul. The notion of soul. The soul cannot be in anything as such. If anything, everything is in the soul itself. So there is the Jivatma, but for argument's sake, let's say there is the embodied soul, a soul that's living in a body, versus Paramatma, which basically means a supreme soul, literally supreme soul, but in reality it means a liberated soul. A Jivatma is influenced or is covered by consciousness, our desires, our tendencies, our uh, proclivities, tendencies that we have been carrying forward with us over lifetimes, our habits, our quick reactions, automatic reactions, our reflexes, and our belief or beliefs, or conditioning. A liberated soul, a Paramatma, is free. It's uh, free like the wind blowing. An embodied soul is more like the water flowing, still contained by the banks. And the path to liberation is what I just spoke about. To be able to break your conditioning, anything that hurts you, ask yourself, why am I feeling, why am I feeling hurt? Anything, as I said, that, that pokes you, you ask yourself, why? What in me is, is getting bothered? Who in me is getting hurt? Now, the Vedic notion of soul that okay you have a soul in your body but i think that's a very simplistic view of stating it if i mean i'm not saying the vedas state it's very uh, in a simplistic fashion but it's generalizing things when we say there is a soul in body because i tend to think that soul is is prevalent in every single cell of human body when <clears throat> the soul leaves from the central processing unit, we die. And the body starts to rot. We have lost our connection with the source. And there are many aspects in a human body that are connected 
with the source, our soul. For example, if, if somebody loses a, a limb, now that limb will start to rot. Somebody loses, let's just a simple finger. And <clears throat> that's out of their system now, that's disconnected with their soul, it will start to decay. And when body loses its connection with the source, it also starts to decay. So I think whether there are one, two or too many, it's anybody's guess. Because the, the notion of soul is a spiritual concept. And we must be courageous enough to accept that truth. With beyond some anecdotal evidence, nobody can prove the existence of soul. Nobody can prove the existence of soul. When sometimes, uh, during studies done on my brain and body, when sometimes I shut down my heartbeat and I tell people, look, my soul has now left the body, but it's got a reference point back in. That's my way of explaining it. I don't really, I know something in me is leaving and I'm exploring other planes and I'm coming back. But it could be just um, a dimension of consciousness. Or it could just be me just blabbering. <laughs> it could be either of these. We must, we must have the courage to really examine the truths we state and we hear. And the person who's on the lowest rung of the spiritual ladder is somebody <clears throat> who's idolized his guru, not based on guru's teachings, but on a, based on a feeling or what he or she heard from somebody else. That person is beyond help. Sometimes I, I get people, they have taken on somebody as their guru. It's a guru they've never met. The guru never wrote anything. The guru never said anything. There is no wisdom flowing from the Guru, and the Guru is actually a very ordinary person, but they are unable to see it. The Guru hasn't demonstrated or, or shown any intellect, any wisdom, even any compassion. <clears throat> and yet, they've taken that person as that, their Guru, and they've idolized that person, and then they, they ask me, uh, can I take you as my Guru? I know I won't be able to help. Because beyond these, if you, if, you, if you could connect with somebody like that, and if you think somebody like that could be your guru, then you've really got to work on yourself. If you're happy, you're happy. But if you really want to grow, that will not help you grow. Putting a guru's picture at your altar, or offering it, offering it a bit of incense every day, that might give you solace. That might help you build mindfulness. But if you want to be your guru, you've got to do what the guru did, and hopefully some of the things he didn't do. You've got to do those, you know. <laughs> 